You're listening to Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes Wednesdays and Saturdays. Follow Hockey to Heroin on Twitter. That's at Hockey, the number two heroin for updates and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Brady Leavitt, like any other Canadian kid, his dream was to play in the National Hockey League. Success came easily to Leopold as he began to turn heads in the junior leagues. Only pass for Long, he's got Leopold with him. Long walks in, Sanders, goal! Leopold's a right-hand shot, rotates, and then sends it along back to Leopold. And here we go, right off the bat, a fight ensues, and it's Leopold and Kerr, and they're both getting in shots. Now Leopold throwing right after right, and just connecting like crazy. Once I met Heroin, I mean, it was just, that became my new passion. What's the reason that young people who are athletes get addicted to heroin? They injure themselves, and they're more likely to be prescribed an opioid. And once addicted, many are going to switch over to heroin because it's much more cost-effective. And the effects that they produce in the brain are indistinguishable. When we talk about painkillers, we're essentially talking about heroin pills. Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery. Guys, this is episode number 36, 14 away from episode 50. I've been talking about it. That one's going to feature my dad, Brian. I don't even know how I'm going to handle that, but uh, if anyone's looking forward to it, it's me. Uh, It's not too far away, beginning of September. Uh, Guys, I want to take a minute, like I always do, just to... uh, be grateful. Uh, be grateful to be alive. Um, you know, if you're listening to this, take a second to be grateful that you have ears to be hearing this. Um, I know you're listening to my voice. Maybe that's not the, the the most ideal situation for you, but I appreciate it. So I'm grateful that you're listening to this and uh, I appreciate it because I know everybody's time is valuable. Uh, so it's my hope that you hear something along this journey uh, that can help you along in yours. And uh, guys, I hope you're listening along on the Hockey Podcast Network. You guys can check them out anywhere on social media at hockey podnet of course you can check them out on their website www.thehockeypodcastnetwork.com guys they have a podcast for every single nhl team no matter what market you live in i know there's only two hub cities going forward but guess what there's 31 teams uh 31 different podcasts plus a few different bonus ones such as hockey to heroin the road to recovery house uh, House Analytics, uh, no, sorry, House of Hockey, uh, Ice Analytics, and of course, Tales with TR, TR, a hockey podcast. That's Terry Ryan's podcast. Uh, he's hilarious, guys. Check it out. He was, of course, uh, featured on Spit and Chicklets uh, when Paul Biz- Bissonette, aka Biz Nasty, uh, went out uh, and saw Newfa- Newfoundland. Uh, via terry ryan and terry ryan senior if you guys haven't seen it check it out on youtube it is uh it's worth a laugh for sure um but yeah guys thanks for uh following along uh i'm just so thankful uh the numbers 
just keep growing and there's really no words to describe it but I owe a lot of it to my guests um, because you know without them I don't have a show and I want to give a shout out as I've done before to Kevin Peterson who was my very first guest in episode number two uh, you know him and I go back to childhood he's a scout for the Arizona Coyotes um, you know we hadn't talked in like half a decade the last thing he had heard about me was me in jail or me homeless on Hastings or whatever um and I just reached out to him after doing one episode and I was like hey man will you do a podcast he didn't even hesitate this guy he's like yeah let's do it and uh the rest is history so thanks Kev I love you buddy uh you your support for me never wavered even though if we didn't talk or whatever the times we did um the different times when I was able to get myself clean we always hung out so thank you man I really appreciate it um guys that brings me in uh to the Matthew Lachinsky Memorial Studio uh if you're an avid listener uh you know uh, all about the Matthew Lashinsky Memorial Studio, guys, and it's still in the middle of construction. Matt Thompson hasn't been able to come back down, uh, but he is coming. I still talk to him all the time. He's coming, uh, hopefully by the end of July, but it's my hopes to get out to Edmonton and visit Spencer Meyer, uh, see what he's doing uh, with his treatment center. Of course, that's going to be part of the Puck Support Foundation, so I'm excited to get out there and check it out. Uh, soft launch is August 1st for that, guys. If, if anyone's struggling with um, addiction and you're looking for a great treatment center um, Spencer's going to be opening his doors very soon you can contact me uh, and I can put you in contact uh, with them I'll have more information very shortly of course Spencer Meyer is also a WHL alumni uh, who's battling addiction he's a year and a half clean doing amazing things and he's a good friend of mine and I, I coached him he's been on the podcast he's a good kid uh, and I'm really proud of him. I want to get out there and see what he's doing. He's actually nominated right now for nicest yard in Edmonton. That a boy Spence putting in the work, man. I've seen the pictures. The place he's do- this place he's doing is sick, guys. Like it's not some. What he's doing is pretty incredible. Uh, so check it out. I'll try to get some some pictures up for you guys so you can see what he's doing. I'm really really proud of him. Uh, good job, Spence. Keep up the good work, buddy. Um, but guys, Matthew Lashinsky, of course. Um, was an OHL hockey player born in 1987 the same year as me Uh, I never got to meet him uh, but Matt Thompson new friend of mine uh, was one of his best friends and Matt Thompson listened to the first episode of Hockey to Heroin the Road to Recovery and I didn't know him either but he reached out to me and was like hey man your story is a lot like my friends but guess what my friend passed away in 2017 and you should be grateful and, and lucky that you're alive. And uh, I believe that there's a reason why you're doing this. And we went into it. And since then, we've become, like, really good friends. Um, we talk multiple times a day. He's been down here. And him and I put our heads together. And we're recreating this old chicken coop, uh, making him do a nice studio in Matthew Lashinsky's honor. His parents are going to come down. we got a plaque made for it. Uh, we've had donations. I have Matthew Lashinsky's game-worn skates behind me right now, which is pretty incredible because Matt Thompson brought them down, and I've shared this story on the podcast before, but if you haven't heard this, Matt Thompson, the first time he came down, the first time I ever met him, when he came to me, started building the studio, it's halfway done, he was able to track down these skates because he was down in Barrie visiting his family. Matt lives up in Ottawa. Well, um, some of their mutual friends had some of Matt's old gear because, you know, as... Uh, major junior hockey players we get all the sorts of gear and sticks and all this stuff when we come home in the summertime what do we do we give it to our friends well that's what Matt did too and uh, 
his friends had an old pair of his skates and you want to know what matt and i were able to track down a picture of matthew lachinsky wearing these skates and we know they're the skates because they're the same laces that are in them and we know they're the same laces because they're mismatched black laces that aren't even the same and oh nobody would ever wear these gross laces twice so if you're looking down matthew lachinsky bad style points but guess what we're gonna remember you forever the right way we will never ever ever forget about you buddy uh and matt thompson and i are making sure of that and we're super proud of it um guys um i just want to say quickly too i'm gonna throw out a feeler there i live on a lake i live surrounded by lakes uh i want to put on a three-on-three hockey tournament like this is where it all started i put my skates back on i literally skated down my driveway like mystery alaska styles after not skating for like six seven years right on the main hoods lake and that's what sparked this whole podcast idea and getting myself back in the hockey community so like i'm like man when winter comes around i want to put on a, a three-on-three hockey tournament uh maybe not this winter but maybe two winters from now maybe it's gonna take some time i have a lot on the go but uh it is my goal uh to one day um in this area that i'm in right now whether it's on main hoods lake or longs lake one of them surrounding lakes to host a three-on-three tournament to raise money for the puck support foundation uh, and possibly some other great causes um but if anyone would be interested in helping me reach out let's make it happen uh, i envision zambonis up here the whole nines um i don't know i get excited when i think about it but other than that guys uh let's get right in to episode 36. You want to display that pride? You want to display when you're standing, listening to Old Canada, you're looking around. That is a big part of, of the tradition and history of teams. First and foremost, their, their commitment to play the game below their side of center ice is far better than what I've ever seen. They are so committed to tracking the puck from behind, from catching guys from behind. That's the, really the key to their success. As is, is high-octane offense as they are, they are so committed to tracking the puck from behind, from catching guys from behind right now, that it makes the defensive job way easier. We always talk about gap and wanting to have a good gap. Their gap is a soft gap, and the reason they play a soft gap is because everybody tracks so hard from behind. So now what that forces is, is for them to, to be able to Catch pucks from behind, create that turnover. All of a sudden, you got all five guys going right up the ice, and you're wondering what that got into the puck. They set a Western Hockey League record this year for road wins. At home, on the road, they're they're just one hell of a good hockey team. If they do end up going head to head, well, it's going to be a lot of fun hockey to watch. We're the number one team ranked in Canada. Let's make them beat us. But we think we're the number one team. We need to prove tonight why we're the number one team. You know, I, I think the first period is going to be a bit of a feeling out process. Once they figure out what each, other, what each other's doing, I think the game opens wide open. All right, guys. Without further ado, episode 36 featuring my favorite coach that I ever had from Warman, Saskatchewan. This guy's a two-time SJHL champion with the Kindersley Clippers before coming to the Swift Current Broncos where I met him. He went on to coach the Moose Jaw Warriors and the Kamloops Blazers. Uh, he also, guys, worked 
the under 18 program he brought home a silver medal for us for Team Canada he then on, went on uh, to work as a video coach as well um, for uh, guys the world junior and he brought home a gold there uh, without further ado guys let's bring him in like I said my favorite coach ever that I ever had he put up with so much of my shit in Swift Current Dave Hunchak thanks for taking the time to do this my friend yeah, it's my pleasure thank you Brady <laughs> Hunch man it's so good to uh, to connect with you we were supposed to do this uh, a couple weeks ago and, and I fell asleep we're, we're three hours ahead and I think you were getting a little nervous you thought I was going to fall asleep I think it's almost quarter to one my time now uh, but I'm really glad we're getting to do this Hunch thanks again man uh, uh, where are you at these days where are you living Hunch still living in Kamloops uh, just uh, helping people out with their COVID business stuff and, and trying to make sure everybody's on the same page yeah, it's uh, it's definitely trying times. Uh, you know, I'm I'm getting on top of my mental health as well, and and I've been talked about it a little bit. Uh, I do some some Facebook live videos, Instagram, that kind of stuff. More is where I talk about it, but I've talked a little bit about it on the podcast and and just getting my mental health in check. And I want to get to that a little bit, but uh, later on. But I I want to talk, you know, about your hockey. You know, your hockey resume is is pretty remarkable. I mean, two SJHL championships uh, with Kindersley. Uh, and, and I think, you know, if you listen to the intro, Hunch, and the reason why I did that is because you have a very unique way of, of breaking things down. And that's why, you know, I really enjoyed you as a coach is because I have a very hard time concentrating. Um, and, uh, you know, I remember from an early, early age being extremely nervous in the dressing room when the coach coach was talking and um, in a particular time uh, I remember being uh, in initiation which would now be say hockey two or hockey three I think hockey three it would be and and I got called up to novice and so playing with kids a year and and two years older than me and I remember the coach talking about head manning the puck and I'm like head manning the puck what the hell is this what is head manning the puck I'm gonna I don't know I was so nervous I was like eight or nine of course that just means moving the puck ahead but I I didn't know that at that time and and, uh, I mean from that moment on that stuck with me and and I was nervous in the dressing room always when coaches would start to break things down and I just want to take the time to say thank you because you were able to to do it in a way for me and I think for a lot of guys uh, that made a lot of sense uh, and and you brought a, a new light to my game. Uh, whether or not I was able to implement it is another thing, but I was able to understand hockey and see it from a whole nother, another perspective. So I want to say thanks for that. Well, I appreciate that, Brady. Um, you know, my approach has, has never changed. I, I think, um, you know, I learned from, from a lot of really good people over the years. Uh, I guess the question to you is, uh, what makes my approach different than anybody else's? Well, you know what? I'm glad you asked that. And, you know, hold on. Before before I answer that, here. Hey, Hutch, it's Sponge. I uh, just wanted to jump on here and, and uh, make sure that you knew how much uh, we appreciate you as a coach. And uh, obviously looking back now a little bit older, um, it's easier to see um, all the sacrifice and hard work you you put in and, and did for us. And I just wanted to make sure you knew that uh, we all appreciated it. 
Hey, Hunch, it's probably one of your favorite backup goalies, Travis Johnson. We, uh, we had a few good years together. Um, although, I will say you kind of haunt my nightmares sometimes when we get that uh, dirty, dirty dozen at the end of practices. I don't think I could stop you. You had this change-up shot that it was darn near impossible to stop. And you know what? I, I'll never forget those times. They were good. Um, the way that you motivated guys, you were their friends. You demanded strong work ethic, which, you know, I take personally in my game when I was younger. Anyways, it's... Uh, you're you're a great coach, a great mentor, and you know what? I wish you all the best, and hopefully, others can take something that you give as much as I did with you. Thanks a bunch. So that's uh, I actually had hoped to uh, to get a couple more guys. Uh, Matt Tassoni wanted to to hop on. Actually, Jamie LeBlanc, the trainer, wanted to do, and they just they they had other. <laughs> we couldn't make it happen. That's why I kept pushing it back and pushing it back um, tonight. But um, you know, so to answer your question, um, for me to answer that um, is to you know your approach was was calm and not intimidating at all. And not even just with the way you expressed it, like you carried yourself, but the way that you would break it down wasn't intimidating. You know, you you were the first uh, coach to really show video and break it down. Like like coaches would show video, but they just play it, and like we'd watch guys would watch it. But no, you you know you even had back in the day like that program. It was like fucking. It was like 2004, 2005 version of Howie Meeker hunch. Like, you know what I mean? So um, for guys like me, um, that was really, really important. So uh, I think a lot of guys, a lot of guy coaches, they try to yell, they try to scream, uh, they try to intimidate, um, and you never did that. And you never did that in any situation, not even when we fucked up like so bad. And, and I did so many times and I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, but that's the uh, the short answer to your question. And that's uh, if anybody wants to listen who sponges, that's my best friend. That's Michael Hangen. Um, and uh, that's Travis Yonkman, who was, uh, um, yes, he was a backup goalie to Kyle Moyer for a lot of his career, but he was one hell of a goalie himself. So, Hunch, what do, what do you think? Listen to that. Well, you know, I'm I'm grateful. I guess number one that uh, that players understood, you know, where where I was coming from. Um, it was important for me, you know, depending on my role as you know as an assistant, as a head coach, as head coach, general manager, wherever the case may be, it was important that uh, players understood that. Uh, there's, there's a certain level of um, respect that needs to be there. I, I think, you know, no question that there's uh, players that I've had, you included, Spongy included, uh, that have made mistakes over the years. But I, I, always, I always look back and, and say to myself, you know, even back then, um, 
you know, these are, these are young teenage men and they're going to make decisions and choices. And that's part of the growing up process. It's a matter of, you know, putting down a, a path for, for each individual and making sure that each individual's path is unique because everybody's the, di- everybody's different. Um, you know, a lot of old school coaches say, you know, we treat everybody the same, but the reality is, is everybody's different. Um, you know, yourself, uh, a number of players in Swift Current, uh, you know, through the stage that we were going through with regards to, you know, building back a program again that was uh, respectable and, and foundationally in, in a right spot, it, it was difficult. And Dean and I knew that. Uh, Elden Moberg Elden was a big part of that as well, too. As long, or pardon me, as well as scouting staff, and you know, it was going to take time, and we knew that. And it was about again setting out parameters for each individual player. And you know, again, I look back at uh, some of the things that we did as a coaching staff, as a building staff. Well, on a personal level, you know, we we tried to put all of you in positions to best succeed and we weren't right all the time but uh, without question I, I can say that, that uh, we did our absolute very best yeah and I don't question that at all and, and that's the one thing that uh, you know I really felt is playing you know because obviously I've played for you and Dean in Swift Current and basically you were there um Per my whole time there. I mean, I played one game uh, as a 16-year-old before you and Dean were there. Uh, but other than that, uh, you guys were there my, my 17-year-old year, my first full year. Uh, you know, and I mean, I was, uh, I mean, I went through a, a pretty hard year that year and I kept it under wraps even so much to the point where like Hangy didn't even really know what was going on. And I was with that guy every waking second of the day, uh, right up until curfew. Um, and, you know, I, I would just keep it all under wraps until until uh you know i went home and i remember sitting at home and and i don't even remember why or what would spark it but i remember just calling my dad and like fucking like swallowing a whole bottle of tylenol like in the middle of fucking like one in the morning saskatchewan time calling my dad after after talking to him two hours before being just absolutely fine and uh, all of a sudden calling him freaking out, having a fucking breakdown and, and being like three provinces away from my family and everything else. And, and you know, my, my girlfriend, which was a huge problem for me, was a, was a huge problem. And I think any anybody that that wants to play junior hockey, do not have a girlfriend back home is my advice because, you know, one, girls are a distraction and, and they're always going to be there uh in my opinion and if you want to be a hockey player especially nowadays more than ever it is a full-time commitment and and i was never able to give myself uh fully to i was always like the first one out of the rink like and listen i'm kind of jumping all over the place but it's funny because i was talking to hangy about this a couple days ago i talked to him every day i probably talked to him for like two hours on the phone a day if you add it all up 
And we were talking the other day because we have a lot of catching up to do because I've been in, in the fucking hole for the last 10 years. Um, we were talking though, Hunch, about uh, our time in Swift and just, uh, fuck, like, you know, how we were the first ones, like how nervous we were, like how, how much anxiety we had of just going to the rink. Um, we just, all we wanted to do was just get the fuck out of the rink. As soon as practice was over, I didn't want to work out. I didn't want to, um, and I don't know why I don't, and we were both like that. We were both talking, we were kind of laughing about it, but at the same time, we were both trying to figure out like, Hmm, I wonder why that is like, um, because it was nothing really to do with the environment. Um, I want to get into that a little bit too, because I want to get into the hazing. Um, but I thought that you and Dean did just a fantastic job. Uh, I can only speak for myself. Um, but what you guys did for me, like you guys allowed me to go home, uh, for whether that was a, a good thing or not. It was like, if you don't, I'm quitting anyways, which I did the next year anyways. But, um, you know, I think, I think that a lot gets lost, uh, in major junior hockey because it is such an elite level and, you know, you have all these fans, Swift Current, not so many just because it's a smaller town. But then all of a sudden we go to, remember the, that was the lockout year. Remember we'd go to Calgary, play the Hitman. There's no NHL. So there'd be 15,000 people there, you know, and I'm 17 years old. So you, you feel like a little mini rock star almost. And, but you're just a kid and you have all this pressure and I'm away from home. I mean, you try to do your best with, and you're right. I like what you said, Hunch, about, um, old coaches say you have to treat everyone the same, but you know, everyone's different. I don't think a lot of people look at it that way. Um, but I want to, I want to get into, um, the amount of chances you give a player. Um, like you gave, you guys gave me ample opportunities, uh, to, to screw up and make mistakes, um, and, and other guys as well, but I'll only speak for myself. Um, in your experience while coaching in the Western Hockey League, um, how many cases similar to mine as far as homesickness, um, mental health, depression, suicide, that kind of thing would you say that you dealt with and were aware aware of? Because um, I don't mean there was probably a lot you weren't aware of because you hear me saying I did everything to keep it in internal myself. So I'm just wondering how much of that did you deal with um, whether it was in Swift Current, Moose Jaw, or Kamloops um, throughout your coaching career, and even in Kindersley. I mean, your entire coaching career. How much of it did you deal with, aside from my case? You know, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Um, you know, as, as far as actual diagnosing people and knowing exactly what's going on in their heads, I mean, there, there there's... Uh, countless numbers that I'm sure that I've missed over the years. Um, you know, I, I like to pride myself in the fact that uh, the, the relationships that I developed over the years uh, with certain individuals would allow me to, to understand what was going on in a certain player's life, not only at the rink, but, you know, away from the rink. Um, it's really important to put in a perspective, you know, what you're talking about, 
uh, with regards to mental health. Um, I didn't know a lot about mental health until I dealt with it myself. And, you know, for, from, from the time that, uh, that I finally engaged myself and included myself into that talk with regards to being ill, I, I never really took a lot of time with regards to understanding what everybody's aches and pains were. Uh, you, you could tell with certain players that there were issues that, were, that needed to be discussed and talked about. Um, you know, I guess in a in eight sense, I, I was able to sense certain individuals that uh, they need to sit down and talk and talk about different things. Um, you know, I look I look at the situations with current uh, my first year there, your first year. Uh, we weren't very good, obviously. Uh, had a hard time scoring goals. We were offloading players to to try and rebuild everything, and we brought in Max, uh, who, who you've discussed. And, you know, Max was a, a professional that you know could see certain things, and, and myself, Max, and Dean would sit down at you know in the evenings over a glass of wine and talk about our players, and it was it was difficult to try and understand you know certain individuals um problems i guess i i took it upon myself to to make sure i integrated myself not only as a coach but somewhat as a as a person that you guys as players come and talk to and divulge what was going on in your lives um and you, you held yourself, you held your cards to yourself, but I could see there was something going on, but I never pushed it because it was, it was my place, uh, to push things. It was important that you guys knew yourself, Sponge, uh, all this, all the players over all the years knew that, you know, over and above, me being, you know, I, I call it what you want, but being somewhat of a hard ass on the ice, in the video, in the coaching, the, the game itself, I had a certain standard that I expected everybody to to live up to. But then once that went away, there was still Dave to talk to, and. It all, and not only supported players, but also supported staff as well, too. And, you know, again, uh, opening up myself with accepting my illness and, and the things that I've gone through has allowed me to probably, you know, if I get the opportunity again to coach or scout or be a general manager, I, I'm, I'm probably more equipped now than I've ever been. And it's, it's, uh, it's gratifying to say that I'm healthy. I'm 
here and, and I understand. And I, I get where, where players go, the places that players go to, because I've been there, not only as a player, but as a coach. And it, it's uh, somewhat gratifying to be able to talk to people day in and day out and allow them to express themselves, cry, um, and not be ashamed because there's nothing to be ashamed of. We, we, we're all humans and we're all going through certain things um, from a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint. There's just things that need to be talked about. And I, I guess from my perspective, we're laying on to you and Sponge and, you know, the players that I've had, I've tried to, I guess, in some way, create my own niche in, in the ability to build, talk to players, uh, command, respect, and discipline, but also the, the field to be able to allow you guys to let out your feelings because it's super important to be allowed to do that. I, I agree 100%. And, and to be honest with you, I, you know, I appreciated those talks because, you know, you and I had more than, you know, uh, our fair share of talks. I mean, you know, you checked in with players all the time and Dean checked in with players all the time. Um, you know, there's, you know, different times uh, when I, you know, did talk to you and there's different times that there were different conversations uh that were more, you know, personable away from hockey. And I completely know what you mean by, um, you know, you're on the ice one way and off the ice another. And I can appreciate that because not all the coaches are like that. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and name any coaches, but it's like, you know, a lot of coaches, some coaches I had, it's like, shit, you couldn't even make eye contact with them because they're walking through the room so fast. Like, you don't even, like, you don't even exist. And it's like, you know what, like, I don't know what the coaches that do that think they're trying to accomplish. And I'm sure there's a time and a place for it. I, I've never coached at, at that level. Uh, I don't know if I ever will or if I even ever want to. Um, but I'm sure there's a time and a place for it. But I mean, like, I'm talking like at practice and shit, like in the dressing room. Like, I mean, like after a loss or something like that, you want to be pissed off and make a statement, sure. But like at practice, like uh, nothing short of like a bunch of guys blowing curfew and and all that shit that happens, which I did a lot, a few times and, and made the guys skate. It wasn't just me. But I will say, Hunch, on more than one time, I got up and put my fuck. You guys, for people listening, there was a couple times, I'm jumping all over the place, but there's a couple times where, you know, typical curfew for a non-game night in, in the WHL would be, say, 11 o'clock p.m., which means get your ass uh, wherever you are, back to your billet's house. Uh, coaches might get a call. Probably not, but they could, and that in itself is enough to scare you to get your ass home <laughs> most of the time. So, anyways, we couple times blow curfew and then you know think you get away with it and you show up to the rink and you think everything's fucking okay sometimes you could tell because you could tell by the jersey colors because it's all line combinations and if you go and there's only two colors you're like fuck we're skating uh but in this particular one case i remember 
there was a bunch of guys out and I was out with them. Uh, they were like, we were all out, but I fucking went home. I was home for curfew. The one time uh, I was like home for curfew. Um, anyways, a bunch of guys got caught blowing curfew and, and we all thought they all thought they got away with it. And uh, right before practice, no, all the jerseys are the same. <laughs> you and Dean came in and uh, surprised and said, yeah, whoever was out last night, put your put your name, your number on the board. And I'm not shitting you. Nobody. St- I was. I just got up. And, I wasn't even out. I just got up and put my number on the board. I didn't even give a shit. I was like, yeah, you guys want to do this? We're skating anyways. Let's go. I'm, I was at like 19. I was already, you know, I didn't care. I was like, I already knew who was out. And uh, I was like, whatever, right? But it was, it was just, it's a funny story. But like nothing short of that. I mean, the attitude that a coach carries into a dressing room on a day-to-day basis can affect the team a lot and can affect the guy's confidence a lot, which is in turn is going to affect the team a lot. And, and one thing that I really would like to see a lot of and uh, more of is, you know, when when coaches segregate guys for like power play and penalty killing shit, that pisses guys off. Like, and, and, and not in a good way. Like, not in like a healthy competition way. Like, oh, I'm going to work harder because I'm going to get on the power play. Because most of the time, it's like it doesn't fucking matter what you do. You're not getting on the power play because you're not a top six guy or whatever. But at the same time, I think it's important to somehow find a way to include those guys to make them feel like they're they're not missing out or or saying, because I, I tell you what, man, I was usually on the power play, but the times I wasn't, fuck was I pissed. Like, pissed. And not because I was entitled, just because it's like, why am I, fuck, have to be down here? I feel like I'm not as good, you know what I mean? And it, and it breaks a guy's confidence. And it wasn't just in Swift Current. It's everywhere. Every coach does that and it, because it kind of makes sense from a team aspect. But from a personal feeling and how it makes guys feel, it, it can be extremely dangerous. Does that make sense? It does, um, but the reality is, you earn what you you earn. You have to earn certain responsibilities. Um, in my time in Moose Jaw, and I Moose Jaw for four years was uh, probably I want to say the best four years of my coaching career in, in the sense that. I got to develop, I got to earn relationships, I got to talk to people. Uh, we did a, a really interesting thing with the Notre Dame Hounds where their junior A hockey team came to Moose Shop and we did a power play, penalty kill, skill session type of thing. And we involved everybody and we, we included uh, guys like uh, you know, one of your best friends, Jesse Parody. Uh, everybody got got a chance, and it was important for them to get a chance. And it was important that everybody understood what their roles were. And you know, we we talked about it afterwards uh, as a group, and everybody knew what the roles were. And once that got defined and once you put importance into a person's role, and again, I use Jesse as, as a prime example. Jesse, uh, you know, when he, when he went to Saskatoon was a top six forward in their group because that's what they needed at that time. 
but for me, he, he was part of, you know, not mistaken, probably the best checking line I've ever had. And, you know, between himself and Spencer Edwards and so on, they, they understood their role and they understood the, the, the gravity of what they were contributing to the team. And it was important as a coach to, to to make them feel like they were a huge part of what we were trying to do. We didn't have a great team, but we had structure. We had discipline. Um, Jesse was a bit of a uh, pain in the ass, no different than you or Hangy as far as curfew and all that. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I, I knew he was he was a player, and he could play a certain role, and he could do certain things, and he had certain values. And you know, you you can you can take alcohol, you can take marijuana, all the different drugs, gateway drugs that there are, into factor. At the end of the day. He came to the work clean. He did his job. And as a result, he's having success, obviously, with his clothing company. Yeah, for sure. He's, uh, he's doing, uh, he's doing really well. He's, um, you know, he's going to be a CPA, chartered professional accountant. He's a financial analyst at University of Manitoba. He's used his WHL scholarship, which is great. I didn't get to. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, so I met Jess when he was like 16, right? So he was just at 16. I, I think you, you know, you're just happy as shit to be in the WHL. You know, you only, he only played, I think half the games. And when he did play, he was only playing five minutes, not even a game. So, you know, just going out there and, and hitting guys and being an energy guy and, and loving it. So, you know, that's, that's how I remember him. And it's, uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, but you know what? It's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, every coach has a different, you know, philosophy or, you know, maybe not a completely different philosophy, but different ways of, of handling situations. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how Dean, you and Dean put up with like so much of my shit. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember family weekend uh, in Swift Current, my 19 year old year, but my dad was there, my sister and we were supposed to have um, a party for, you know, family weekend. All the parents are there, everything like, you know, like a, a, fa- a party for the families type thing and then whatever, so a party at someone's house or whatever, like a team party, no big deal, n- nothing out of the norm that we get to do like three times a year or four times a year, whatever. And uh, we ended up getting shit kicked like seven to one by Saskatoon on the Saturday night. And um, sure as shit, Dean's like, nope 11 o'clock curfew no party um yada 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 um so anyways we decide that we're gonna go to boston pizza anyways and so did most of the guys because i mean all the family members are there um but anyways it was shenderling's dad's birthday and we ended up going back to this uh this house and i remember specifically Looking at at Chandler going, uh, you're a five year guy in the dub, over 300 games played. Are we 
are we skating tomorrow? And he looks at me, he's like, not a chance. And I remember, I remember I like chugged a Mickey at Captain Morgan's and I just don't remember anything after that. And the next thing you know, and, and so we had to be at the rink at 10 a.m. So this was at whatever, 11.30, 12 at night. And uh, the next thing I woke up, it was 11.45 a.m. And I had like 76 missed phone calls. And I had slept through. The team ran stairs, fucking had to work out like crazy. And I was the only one that wasn't there. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to say who. You can figure out who knew where I was. And I don't know why he didn't just come get me. And sitting in the dressing room, I'm like, oh, I don't know where he is. Da, 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 fucking idiot. But anyways, uh, he knew exactly where I was. Passed out on the floor, blacked out drunk, um, where he left me. And uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, I was supposed to get suspended, but we were going to playoffs. I don't know if you remember this. And the team took a vote. And this is already after I quit the year before and come back. And I, I wanted to talk about this in, in a second here, just briefly, because I don't really care to talk about it too much. But I am kind of curious. Um, but yeah, and I slept through parents. Because my dad's there, my sister and all the parents. And I slept through this workout supposed to get suspended but we were fighting for a playoff spot or whatever and the team's like oh no we need him on the ice or whatever and um i think i i didn't get another paycheck for the rest of the year but i it, not like it mattered it's like 80 dollars every two weeks or something which is a topic for another day but <laughs> um you know I, I don't know if you remember that but i i just don't know how you guys dealt with any of that but but before you even say anything about that hunch, let's talk about for one second about when I came back to the Broncos at, at 19. So um, I'll let you talk here in a sec, but just to give people a, a breakdown, I, I left the Broncos seven games in my 18-year-old year. I was getting every opportunity on the first line. They traded for my best friend, uh, one of my best friends in childhood, my line mate for minor hockey, Ned Lukasiewicz. This guy had five goals in his first game. So Do you remember that? Absolutely, I do. Wasn't that fucking incredible? That was one of the most insane things I think I've ever seen, that guy scoring five goals like that, and they were just all unbelievable. Have you ever seen anything like that in the Western League since? Uh, that way, no. I've seen different things, but uh, Special Ned was uh, <laughs> he, he, interesting. Uh, you know, We, we trade a, a top-flight defenseman, David Schultz, for him and uh you know he came in i remember that i remember that opening night that uh you know there were 23 2400 people in the building for opening night ned he does what he does with five i think <laughs> seven one um and then from there everything started to to come back to earth and you know again this is what I talk about it, it, it's all about evaluating players and bringing people in and you know as coaches at the Western League level at the Junior A level we're, we're never ones to uh, not promote our players we want to make our players better uh, Ned, Ned was a, a special player uh, he needed to understand and develop his game deeper than just scoring five goals in one game. <laughs> it happens. I mean, uh, I've seen it time and time again where you know, players explode. 
just it's it, it's a long term. It's, it's a let you know longevity of a player. You know where where they make their mark, how they can be consistent, and and that for me with you is you, know, you, you would have breakout games here and there, but there was no consistency. There were there was. You know, he's here, he's good, he's all primed up and good to go. And then next game, you know, let's say we play on a Friday and the next game on a Saturday, you know, where the hell's Brady? Like, what happened? Yeah. And that's that's the hard, that's the hard part as a coach, uh, especially as an assistant coach, is you, you try and bring players in and, and try and develop you know that the number one, the relationship. Number two is allowing the player allowing you to break down his game and, and being able to, you know, watch film, watch video, watch certain things, and and the player needs to accept, you know, the the deficiencies, I guess, in the game and own up to it and figure out a plan to, to make it better. Yeah, and and that's the thing. See, that's the thing that I noticed too was like I was never consistent. I don't know if that was maybe my mental health um, could have a, a thing because, you know, just being all over the place. But yeah, you're right. Like, you know, same thing, you know, breakout, breakout games or, or whatever. But yeah, I never found consistency. Never was able to find consistency. I don't think I was ever able to find consistency with anything. And... That's been a real challenge, and that's why uh, I'm extremely open to getting properly medicated. Um, you know, working with my psychiatrist, working with psychologists as well, as well as doing group therapy. Like I am legit doing everything to the point where I'm not going to continue to do all the different things but what I'm doing is submersing myself in as much as I can right now for the next couple two three four weeks and then what I'm going to do because a lot of it some of it is I've done before but like sexual abuse trauma counseling I've never done a lot of the mental health stuff I've done a little bit of it but I've never really bought into it I've never given myself a chance like they give me medication I might take it for two days and, and never take it or I might go get the prescription and never open the bottle and then the next time I might not even fucking I might not even the, the prescription might not even make it to my car you know what I mean I might just throw it in the thing while I'm leaving the doctor's office like that was the progression of me getting pills like I got pills when I was 18 after actually when I quit the Broncos I was playing with the Express and they put me on Effexor they they I was a disaster playing for them and you think I was bad and swift current that was a nightmare but anyways they put me on these pills and i took them for whatever three four days and i was like oh, i'm better than this and then you know they try to put me on those pills again a couple of years later like another doctor and then that's when i got them but never took them and then the next time they try to put me on them again and i get the piece of paper and it doesn't even make it to my car but this time i'm just you know what i'm gonna shut up i'm gonna listen i'm gonna do what's uh you know told of me and what's requested and instead of thinking you know um, that I'm above medication. It was never that I thought it was above it. It was just like, oh, you know, I, I don't need it or, you know, because I'd wake up, you know, that the next day and be like, oh, I feel pretty good right now. But that's just right now. And then, you know, I'd have a crash the next day and, you know, and that's where the consistency comes in. Um, when well, did you really note, sorry, when did you really notice 
um, that you maybe had some mental health issues because you talk about dealing with players um, earlier and then now that you've you know, been able to recognize some of your own issues and, and now that you're dealing with them, you know, your own issues as well as uh, helping other people through their mental health issues. Um, and of course, that's going to equip you to be a better coach and GM. Uh, that makes total sense to me. Uh, of course, that is just another... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like another tool in your tool belt and, and a good one at that. Like the thing is, is like for, for people to have mental health or to have addiction is not a weakness if you can harness it and, and live with it properly and manage it and do everything right. So the fact that I'm a drug addict or the fact that I have ADD or even if I'm bipolar doesn't make me a bad person or make me f- that I can't succeed. It just means that I have to be vigilant and stay on top of it and be open to ways of dealing with it. But I'd like to get back to, to you and, you know, when were you really open to it and, and what was that experience like did you ever take a step back and be like, wow, you know what, now I know what, you know, either my family members are going through or my ex-players are going through or whatever, or did it, you kind of feel like maybe there was something there all along? Well, it's an open-ended question. I, I, I think, uh, you know, the first question I'm going to ask to you is how is counseling? Are, are counselors doing what you think they need to do? And the reason I asked that question will lead into um, my answer on the second part of your question. I guess number yeah. one, uh, how, how, how are counselors helping you? Well, see, this is the thing. And it's interesting that you brought this up to me up to me and I'm glad you did because I was just talking about it with Bev that's Taylor my girlfriend's mom just uh, an hour before we started recording Uh, you know about my counselor right now is through um, Canadian Mental Health Association so uh, you know it's I'm not paying for it it's covered by the government which is great Um, at least there's something Um, but I mean I'll, I'll be honest so you know a couple times the counselors said she's going to do something and then doesn't email me what she's going to email me right on time or whatever. And then, you know, she's telling me today that, oh, well, we can do six to eight count, six to eight sessions. And it's like, well, that's great. Six to eight sessions is great. But what the fuck do I do after six to eight sessions? Because that is where we're failing people with addiction treatment with mental health treatment. there's no aftercare program there is no and yes there's meetings NAAA but I mean like what are we really doing for aftercare programs I mean and again we have to do these things for ourselves but at the same time for people that are in addiction and for people that are mentally ill especially if you're in a deep dark state like I've been in like I've been in psych wards multiple times I've been in jail multiple times I've been homeless multiple times I've been like trying to overdose kill myself like wanting to die for the half of my life legit walking around going just please hit me like i i legit hunch um jumped in front of a car and like but at the last second stop i like roll it and like and the person gets out and like what the fuck are you doing it's like uh like you know i was gonna try to kill myself but like then they come to it's like why would you do that it's gonna destroy that person's life but in that moment it's like i don't give a shit because i just want to stop feeling this way but, you know, to answer your question about the counselor, six to eight sessions, the counselor, to be honest, 
what she has done is not a whole lot other than uh, it makes me feel good that I'm reaching out and and at least trying, but I'm not getting what I, I would like to be getting out of it, to answer your question. You know, and that's, uh, you know, very similar to my situation. Um, what, what's really unique, Brady, I think, is, um, you know, I'm 46 years old. Uh, you're a young man, and, and, you know, you've been through a, a, a horrendous, you know, bout of life as far as drugs and all that type of stuff. What's really cool for me is when players call me, when people call me, it's still hunch. They don't, they don't call me Dave or Dave Hunchak or David. It's, it's just hunch. And, and to me, that, that, that's an important relationship uh, barrier that, that I've tried to foster over the years. Um, you know, with regards to my own stuff, um, I hit a barrier, obviously, and you know, it's been public. I uh, hit a barrier in Spokane uh, when looking for a gun. I, I was pretty sure that I was done. I, I just for for whatever reason it it wasn't the right time wasn't the right place I had people help me out um, the problem with people helping me out is I can't get back in again you know as far as a coach a scout general manager whatever uh, once you get that stigma you're you're basically done um you know, I've, I've helped numerous kids in my area in Kamloops uh, with regards to their careers, you know, helping them out with uh, Western League contracts and Junior A stuff. You know, there's, like you and I texted, uh, there's, there's seven of the old three kids, my son included, that... Uh, you know, when the Western League starts again, we'll be playing in the Western Hockey League. And there's another three that are going to play in junior eight. Uh, that's 10 of a group that not a lot of people see, you know, a lot of uh, opportunity from. And those kids have worked hard. They've listened. Uh, they've been uh, very disciplined, I guess, to the the teachings I've brought them and it's not only me it's a, it's a whole bunch of different people but you know again it, it all goes back to your choices and, and the decisions you make and you know my son's 17 um, wow <laughs> yeah, well why exactly that's crazy sorry to cut you off but I remember him running around in the, in the dressing room like almost in diapers like in yeah. like seriously that's crazy but anyways continue please that's that's crazy <laughs> it's all again it's all about exposing people to the environments um in swift we we had we we created a really good environment it, it wasn't 
it wasn't something talent-wise that we could do as far as, you know, challenging for a Eastern Conference championship or whatever. But, but we, what we had was a, a really solid foundational person environment. And I allowed not only my son, but my daughter was around as well, too. And they learned from that. They, they, they understood. Um, there'd be, there'd be times where my son would be in my office with me in my little bunker that I had, uh, <laughs> in Swift Current. And I'd tell him, you know, go hang out with Butter or hang out with Paul and bring you in or bring Shendo in or bring Hangy in or whatever and just talk and, and, you know, make sure you guys understood that what, what, we were trying to do as coaches wasn't wasn't to demean or, or deflect what your skills were. It was about breaking it down, making you guys better. And you know, I, I, I go back to when when you had your I don't know, one of your top five shows, I listened to you and Mike uh, talk and thank you very much for sending me his, his email or pardon me his uh, phone number and I apologized to Mike because I felt that based on the discussion that you guys had I hadn't done my job and trying to develop him and help him become a better player I was hard on uh, myself and uh, Mark McKay his agent at the time had many discussions and it, it was uh, it wasn't about him you know just learning it, it was about him stopping and, and listening and trying to become a better player because at 5'11", 6 foot, whatever he was he had a ton of upside but he just wouldn't listen Plain and simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of us, some of us have a harder time with that. Uh, I want to jump back in quick, Hunch, before before we get too far ahead, because you know y- you talked about some some pretty heavy stuff back there, and I appreciate that. I appreciate you opening up, and and I wasn't sure if it uh, if it was was public or not, or or, or what the uh, the knowledge of it is, and and I really don't have too much knowledge of it. And um, what's done is done. But what I what I do hear you saying is is that because you did get the help, now you're saying that you're done. And I don't, uh, listen, I hear what you're saying, and I'm not disagreeing with you that there is a stigma there. However, however, uh, there's always hope. And that's the thing. Um, You know, we're all allowed to make mistakes, and, and things happen, and... Uh, I don't think you could ever say you're done. Like you're way too good of a coach. You have way too much to offer um, to not be doing it. And regardless if it's in the Western Hockey League or the BC Hockey League or shit, like um, the NHL for Christ, like this is what you need to be doing. And whether it's even at a junior level, like a team, whatever, a cat, I don't know what it needs to be. Um, some sort of coaching, whether you can find a way to implement your coaching with your your mental health coaching that you're doing and, and all of it, that to me, 
Um, to me, you know, if I owned a team, I'd be like, I'm tired of this guy right now. Let's give him a shot because isn't that what it's all about? Like, is it not about, is life not about making mistakes, learning for, right from the beginning? You, you, you make mistakes, you, you fall down, you get up and you learn how to keep your balance. And that's the way we, that's the way we learn. So is life not about making mistakes, learning from them and bettering yourselves and bettering the lives of others. And I really, and I'm not just saying this, like I'm saying this because I firmly believe it in my heart when I say that's what I think you need to be doing. And not just because I think that's what you want to be doing. I think I know because I was a player of yours, a player that had a very hard time understanding my hockey IQ is not very good, is not very good because even now when I watch hockey, I'm not like I watch it differently. Like I just I have a different mind where it's like go 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 go. I have no defense, no um, all offense. Like I'll watch the puck, um, you know. And whether I still was never able to put it all together, but I was actually able to understand the game. So like you know, and not feel nervous and not feel, and not feel, yeah, this is another thing I wanted to say, not feel nervous in practice, your practices, man, I tell you right now, your practices, okay, if I was to ever coach, that would be like the leave on red, fuck, I love that shit, when you used to open a practice with a leave on red drill, I was like, I'm gonna have the best day ever right now, like this is, um, you know, or the Canada Cup drill, like those things, like, um, you know, but it was just the way that, you know, you ran practice. I was never, you know, I remember when I got, so listen, when I got to Kelowna hunch, like 20 years old, I, I will say when Dean dropped me off at the Calgary airport and I barely even knew where I was getting traded till he dropped me off. He literally dropped me off. Uh, we had, we had fucking sushi and medicine hat me and Dean after all the shit we went through. And he still, I had no idea where I was being traded to. Um, all I knew is that I was being traded <laughs> and we drove all the way to Calgary from Swift Current five hours had sushi or whatever Japanese food and medicine at and, and he drops me off at the airport and he's like you've been traded to Kelowna now get the fuck out we'll see you in January I'm like the fuck I'm like okay but I'll tell you what I went to I drank out the mini bar I got hammered by myself I don't know why <coughs> but I did and uh I'll tell you I was nervous in Kelowna for a long time uh in practice um the way the way there's nothing to do with Ryan Huska. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and bash Bruce Hamilton because Bruce was really good to me, but he's an intimidating guy. And um, that's just the way he runs things. And look at he's had a lot of success. So I'm not going to tell him how to do things. He's obviously knows what he's doing. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm just saying my comp, my level of confidence in practice was was higher than it ever was uh when when you were certainly when you were running the practices especially when you were you know running running the practices and it wasn't dean um so much and and you know i think you know as assistant coach you you do a lot of the work and people don't realize this you do a lot of the that you do everything right from organizing the hotels and the meals and everything don't you you were doing all that right in swift current you were responsible for meals and all that stuff absolutely absolutely it was it was important um you know, going going from uh, organizing hotels and meals, you know, it was it was important to to make sure that everyone 
uh, was successful in the sense of, you know, getting the right nutrition, getting, you know, the right, uh, I guess the right situations for themselves. Uh, when it comes to practices, you know, I, I, I really felt that it was important for all players to, to be understood and to have contribution to practices. Um, you know, you, you, you can, you can devise certain drills and, and you can put yourself or put you guys into positions where, you know, things are going to be successful or unsuccessful. It, it's important that, you know, when things are created, so to speak, as far as practices are concerned, that they're created for for a, a purpose, and it's a teaching purpose, and it's it's about you know learning about you know taking pucks off the back or taking pucks off the front, you know time and space, all the different things that we talk about. Um, at the end of the day, it's you know. You do a forty-five minute practice. There, there is no reason why why you shouldn't be able, as a coach, to be available to say, you know, hey Brady, you know, you really screwed up this thing, but here are some of the things you did good. But at the same time, all you got to do is change your heels or change your toes. It's it's more often than not. Uh, when you get to the elite level, it's the changes are so minute, but they're so huge in the sense of, you know, mindset, where your stick is, you know, just different little things that make a junior player become a pro. Um, I, I look at my own son. Uh, really, really good with his toes. Really good with his stick. There, there's things that he needs to work on, and you know, it's 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 about talking about. It's about you know making players understand not only the game, but then you take away the game and you talk from the human side. You know what's happening in your life and you're instance that you and I used to talk a lot about what was going on behind the scenes and your billets and, and you know it's you're a shit disturber and <laughs> we had to look after it and that was our responsibility yeah well you guys did you guys did honestly you guys did a really good job with me and, and I'll say that you know, while I was in Swift Current, I had the utmost respect, um, or I tried to, really I did, for the for the town and for, for yourself and for Dean and for the Broncos as a whole. Like I, you know, as much as a shit disturber I was and as much as um, the mistakes I made, and yes, I quit the team, and it wasn't about quitting the team. It was just the fact that I was about 
30 seconds away from fucking like killing myself. I just was having a mental breakdown and for some reason I needed to drive home. And as soon as I got home, I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? I can't, uh, but I knew I couldn't go back. I was like, what the fuck? What's that? Let me, let me pause you. Um, there is a stage, I want to say 2007 or eight. I can't remember. And you just simply vanished. And it was up to me to try and figure out where the hell you were at. There was three days there where I was scared out of my mind, trying to figure out where the hell Brady Leavold was. Because I had a responsibility to mom and dad, and you were just simply gone. Was that in Swift Current? Yep. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, I just disappeared in the thin air. Um, do you know when that was? That was uh, when that girl got pregnant, and uh, I went, yeah, I just, I, I just didn't know what to do, and I just, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know what, I didn't know what to do. Um, yeah. Obviously, do you understand, what's that? Do you understand the stress that that put on myself? Oh, for sure. Now I can now I can appreciate that, right? And um, that's the thing is, man, I, I never even thought about that. So let me apologize for that. I'm sorry that you had to go through that because that's, you know, that is a big responsibility when, when you know, because again, I'm, I'm essentially a kid living in a provinces a couple over, a couple provinces over and you guys are responsible for me. So yeah, I, I actually totally forgot about that one. That you know, I can't believe how many times I just, you know, and, you know, to say that you guys or that you didn't pick up on the things is wrong. You know, you guys knew. You certainly knew. You pulled me aside a lot and, and gave me ample opportunity. And I believe that I did. If I remember correctly, I I told you more than I told any other coach. I swear to God. And um, you mentioned Max Offenberger earlier. And I, I love talking to Max. Max is great. But... You know, I think it's, oh, they're not coming to get me, are they? No, no, just driving by. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But, you know, I just, I think that, you know, collectively in the junior hockey world, um, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't comment on it because I've been out of it for so long, just the hockey world, but maybe you would know better, even though you're not coaching directly, you're certainly in the world, you you have your son and you're around the players um, and you know the modern day junior hockey player clearly. So um, who better to ask than you? Where are we um, as far as bridging that gap so that players feel comfortable um, sharing information like if they get a girl pregnant or if they want to kill themselves or if they used drugs, like all things that are like grounds for dismissal. Like where, because, you know, uh, there's a story and, um, you know, I, I don't know the facts 100%, so I, I got to be careful with what I say, but we, we brought it up and this is about Matthew Lashinsky and, and he was playing for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. He ran into some legal trouble, trouble when he was 18. And he ended up going to jail, um, is my knowledge of it. And the Sioux was like, see you later. 
see ya. And uh, after that, he, he he had to go to jail for a year. So I mean, like, or something like that, regardless of what happened. Um, but they said see ya, and he actually, you know, never played a, a game in the OHL again. Uh, clearly, but where are we at with bridging the gap? to either one players come to their coaches and talk or two have an outside um, source for the players to talk to so that they can talk to and not have to worry about getting benched or kicked off the team or whatever nothing short of something in an emergency where that person has to report it to the proper authorities if it's a minor and all that like I understand those protocols but what I'm saying is um, you know and this is my envision for like the puck support foundation I'm not saying it has to be the, the puck support foundation but I'm just saying something like that where are we at with getting the players to a level in the junior hockey world to a level of where they're comfortable um, coming forward with their mental health issues um, in the dressing room setting like will we ever see where players talk openly about it and, and um it's uh, because I'll be honest, Hunch. Do you think that most players suffer from some sort of mental illness, or or what are your thoughts on all that shit that I just said? You know that that's uh, that's a great topic. I think um, I think from a coaching perspective, uh, you need to make sure that. Um, you put yourself in a position to allow players to have that gravity and have that confidence to talk about, you know, certain issues that they may have. I think that from a corporate standpoint, you know, depends on how, how your organization is structured um really important for me i guess is is not be something different than what you are uh you know allowing you know, again we we worked together in you know the early mid 2000s it's all about relationships and it's all about being able to talk and, and finding constructive ways to be able to help individuals. Um, it, it's a lot different from a management perspective than it is from a player, player's perspective. I, I think players are, are given a grain of salt in, in the sense of, uh, second chances, third chances, all that type of stuff. When it comes to management, um, and you make a mistake and you're done. It's, it's an unfortunate reality, but it is what it is. I, I think uh, again from, you know, again from you as, you know, you're what, 32, 33, uh, if you were to play right now, you'd be nearing the end of your career. Whereas you look at a 22, 23-year-old, you look at the American Hockey League, you look at the ECHL, a lot of, a lot of players go to those levels without the skills they need to cope with day-to-day. So 
prime example, uh, former player of mine, NHL sign, NHL drafted, uh, all good player, really good opportunity. And he went to the American League and he called me, you know, probably a year, year and a half after he was in there. And he said, like, okay, Dave, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm done at noon. Um, we go drinking beers, we go doing this and that, and then we do it all again the next day. So it's happening over and over again. And he just, he, he, he couldn't get himself past a, a normal recreational proper day. So I look at you and you're probably no different. Uh, you know, check in at 10, practice at 10.45, you know, go through the whole thing. And by 1 o'clock, you're done for your pro day. Now what do you do? Well, yeah. you get into all the shit that you're into. And it's, 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 it's really important that players, people, management understand that there needs to be a really, really structured day to, to to make sure that everything, you know, at the end of the day is normal. Uh, with you, you're a pain in the ass. And I'll, I'll say this time and time again. <laughs> we put you and Spongy together for a reason. You guys are broke curfew. You guys did this, that, and everything else. Did we know what was going on? Absolutely we did. Did we try and help? Absolutely. Were both guys traded? Yes. Why is that? Why why isn't there a situation where you can sit down with a player and say, look, I understand what you're going through. I get what you're going through. So where's your day today? And that's where I think you struggled because you didn't have day today. You're 100% right. And I've been talking about this a lot lately with people. So I'm so glad you brought this up. Like I talk about with Hanky all the time with Sponge about the, the amount of time I wasted just playing video games or... Um, you know, just cruising around, like crashing vehicles. Me and Hanky crashed more vehicles in Swift Current than I could tell you. Like, it's insane. Like, just idiots. And, and that's the thing. And, and, you know, then you leave hockey, like when I left hockey, whenever it was, did multiple different times, you know, and that's another thing. In the summertime, even the summer break, getting into trouble, getting into shit. Um, you know, if I was to coach, if I was to be coaching a junior team or whatever, like, and I know that there's the school guys that go to school or whatever, but yeah, like you're saying, you know, breakfast club, check in, whatever it is, eight thirty nine, ten sometimes, you know, I, I would like to see more done. And like you said, these guys are not prepared to go to the ECHL, the American league, because they don't know how to, 
They don't know anything about credit. They don't know anything about paying bills. They don't know anything about grocery shopping. They don't know anything about laundry. They don't know anything about most of them. You know what I mean? Some guys do, but the majority don't know any of this shit. They don't know how to find an apartment. They rely on the, I remember when I was in the NHL, I remember rely on the, you know, the real estate agent to come down and, and, you know, you pick your time when you're going to go look at a place or whatever. It's like, you know, and, and everything's done for you and you just have all this time to just, the devil's work in idle hands, man. Like it's, it does for me. The pro- and you're, the, go the, ahead. The program was there in Swift. Oh yeah. You, you guys had it for sure. You guys had the college, the college programs. Uh, that was the only team. I mean, I only played on two dub teams, but we didn't do it in Kelowna. Uh, but yeah, you guys provided the, the college classes. Is, and I think maybe it, it should have been a little more mandatory. There was like the one mandatory course or two. That's the one I took, but it was definitely better than nothing. And, uh, you know, I just think that, um, finding a way, and again, it's just it's all about learning. And like you said, we learn, we all learn as we go, and you, that's all we can do. So looking back and saying, "Oh, we should have done this or that," is pointless. I mean, we just do it going forward, right? And you know, we like I said, we learn things along the way, but somehow implement some sort of better structure for these guys, and to implement, um, you know, teaching them real life skills. And, and the school should be doing a better job at this too. But I mean, you know, if they're not and you have them there as, as hockey players. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying the teams in general have them there. as. Play. We should be investing um, in them as human beings as well because, I mean, it is a business, and it can get ugly sometimes. You see these lawsuits coming in or these people talking about the, the garbage bag treatment, uh, different things of allegations that happened in Lethbridge or wherever it happened. And, and, again, I don't care to get into it. I saw it happen enough times for myself that I don't need to know that um, whether Joe Blow got or John from fucking Edmonton got, you know, let out at Lethbridge. But do I believe that he was left with no fucking where to go? And no, I don't for one second. I, I cannot see one WHL team just letting a kid go with nowhere to go and no money and no nothing and none of their stuff. Just get the fuck out of here. I, there's no way that would fly. Do you think that would fly? No, absolutely not. I, like, there's just no fucking way in my mind. Like, like I, I don't care to get into that whole story, but that's just my quick opinion on it. Um, but it's to say that, you know, I think we're heading. I think we're heading in the right direction, Hunch. I'm gonna wrap this up, and I want to get you on again um, because we have a lot more to talk about. Uh, I'm gonna go back and listen to this tomorrow once it's it comes back, and be like, oh man, we gotta talk about that. And I just want you to know. Um, I'm going to let you, if there's anything else you want to say, um, by all means, but it's two in the morning here and I'm exhausted. I got to get up in like four hours with the kids and get this episode edited and sent to the network. But it's, uh, that's not why I'm rushing it either. We've been talking for uh, about an hour and a half. Um, and, uh, if we're going to do this, we should do a part two, um, which, which I would love to do at some point for sure. But before I say anything, I want to reiterate what I said earlier when I say, um, you know, if I was the owner of a junior team or if I had the control of GM or whatever, I would definitely without question give you another chance. And I think you, and, and this is just my take on it, you need to start 
believing in yourself. This is what you want to do. And then you take it, this is me, this is one of your players speaking to you, giving you advice. And this is, you know, I should take my own advice too. But this is what I've been doing and this is powerful. I don't know if you know about the law of attraction. But if you keep telling yourself that you're done and it's done, it, you're right. It'll never fucking happen. But I swear to God, Hunch, you tell yourself and you let yourself, if this is what you want, just start telling yourself you're a coach already. You don't have to tell people. Just start telling you, yeah, just tell yeah, and just start asking the universe for things. I swear to God, it sounds crazy, but it's it's true, man. It, it happens. Build a vision board. Just start believing and putting it out there and believing that, no, you're not done, that you are going to be a coach. If you want to be a coach in the WHL again, you will be. There will be somebody that will give you a chance. It might not be this year. It might not be next year. But if you keep doing what you're doing and you keep, you know, investing your time with your son and and those kids, isn't that coaching? So maybe you're not paying your bills that way and making the money you want that way or whatever this yet. But I strongly believe that if you keep doing what you're doing and keep bettering yourself and your mental health and as well as working on other people's mental health, that's going to continue to build your tool belt, which is only going to provide more to your players um, and everything and and everybody that's involved. Um, and, And really, to me, it's it's. I hated hearing you say that, man. Fuck, I hated that because but you're but I know you're not wrong in a sense because some people will look at it that way, but I feel that we're at a time more than ever um that people are willing to give people more chances and I think there's a number of reasons, but I think a main reason is that there's social media and YouTube and access to information so that guess what? These things happen and you can read about them and we're not alone. doesn't matter what we've gone through. Someone's gone through something similar or worse and it's all right there so we can relate. And and so to say that, you know, what you did or whatever happened there is, is enough to say no, never again. Not a fucking chance. Look what I'm doing right now. I was in jail. I was in, like, I was so long gone. And now I have Doug Gilmore on my podcast. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that guy's a hockey hall of famer. And this guy came on my podcast and gave me the time of day. Doug McLean, same thing. Like, you know, you were my coach. And you come on my podcast, I'm really grateful. But I knew you before. So at least you'd be more inclined to help me. You understand what I'm saying? Like, Doug Gilmore, Doug McLean, these people that didn't even know me were willing to help me and give me a chance. So think about that for a second and let that register in your brain for a second. So if those people are willing to give me a chance, there's fucking so many people that will give you a chance. Just keep doing what you're doing. Do not give up um, because I know in my heart, (laughs) coaching is what you need to be doing. It's what you're meant to be doing. Um... And it's pretty clear as day. So guess what? If you needed to take a little hiatus from coaching for a few years, so what? Guess what? You come back, you're better than ever. And you're right. And I couldn't agree with you more, Hunch. Um, I'm going to let you say if there's anything you want to say or, or whatever, but uh, we're going to wrap it up. But I just want you to to hear what I'm saying when I say that and, and listen like, you know, yes, whatever. Every situation is different. But, you know, think about that for a second. I'm not trying to say, oh, 
my situation's worse or be like trying to one up yours and say whatever. I'm just saying it's all in it's all relative and you know, one situation isn't worse than the other. If we're working on ourselves and we want to better our lives, people are inclined to help us and want to see us do good. I swear to God, there are I thought there was no good people left cuz I was a bad person. But guess what? Now that I'm doing the right things, there's so many good people in my life. And it's amazing and people want to give me opportunities and I swear to God, it's the same thing is going to be for you. Um, just keep doing what you're doing. I, I strongly believe it. And, 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 you know, I, I, I can just imagine that the time you're enjoying, um, with your son and, and getting to see him play. That must be, that must be really cool. But Hunch, I want to say thanks buddy for, uh, for doing this. But if there's anything you want to say, I mean, by all means, bud. What's your plan? What's my plan? Here's my plan, Hunch. Um, my plan right now is to keep doing the podcast. I'm going to get out to Edmonton to check out the treatment center. I'm hopefully going to check in with Hangy while I'm there, stop in Saskatoon. I'm just going to be gone for four or five days. Uh, I'm working for Verbero Hockey. I don't know if you knew that. I'm going to talk about it in the outro. Doing, I'm a sales rep for Verbero. I'd actually like to talk to you about that um, off the air. Um, I forgot to mention that, uh, but... Um, you know, continue doing my, my mental health stuff and, and, you know, working with my psychiatrist, getting on the proper medication and going through the regimen. That's what I need to do for myself. And, um, you know, I, what I'm doing now is really working, um, but I need to, to, to work on it. I've, you know, I'm going to start exercising and I don't know if you heard this, but I'm making a comeback to senior A. I'm playing for the Maxwell Mustangs, so look out. If hockey ever starts coming back up, I'm going swimming tomorrow. It's my first workout, so wish me luck. Other than that, that's my plan. Um, just going to keep doing this, build the foundation, um, and just continue you know, try to build myself and help people. That's, that is my plan, is to show people that, you know what, it doesn't matter how dark of a place you are in, that you can find your way out of it. And that, you know, you might need help to do it, but that's okay. And that, um, you know, ultimately that's my plan is just stay clean and I'm going to do whatever the hell I have to to stay clean. And I know myself better than anybody. And if that's one thing through this addiction, I've gotten to know myself. I know my limits and I know that my addiction has no limits now. And that is why I will not pick up drugs ever again. Um in that sense because my addiction has no limits it's going to kill me it's going to kill somebody else or i'm going to end up in jail forever and that's just that's it that's it hunch what's your plan sticking with you you're a good man all right hunch we'll see you stick we stick together and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do some pretty amazing things together man i i swear to god we'll get you in uh, i'd love to uh you know talk to you more about the puck support foundation i think that you would be um, a great, uh, a great fit um, at some capacity for that. Sharing your, of course, your coaching experience and, and being able to share your mental health experience and hop in and and help the hockey community if that's something that you'd want to hop into in, in the near future. I'd love to talk to you about it. Um, but thanks so much, Hunch, for everything that you did for me as a player. Um, I, I truly appreciate it, and I, I didn't say this earlier. Um, but I and I and I'm not lying when I say this. There was times, um, and not so much in the last five years, 
but there were times uh, when uh, I wanted to reach out to you actually like when I was like 24 25 um, and uh, I mean there's a couple different people that I thought about reaching out to and you were you were always you, you I thought about you a lot I don't know why um, but I didn't I just I there was about to I'll be honest too there's along with you and so many other people like I said to Yonks when I talked to him earlier today I was like it's so good to hear your voice Yonks I didn't think I was ever going to talk to you ever again like <laughs> and I didn't think I was ever going to talk to you ever again and now you know I have a I'm very confident that I'm going to shake your hand again and it's going to be probably within the next year and that we'll have a friendship for a long long time so um, I want to say thanks again Hunch and I look forward to doing this again soon Anytime. Yeah. All right, hey, and make sure you tell your uh, your kids I say hi and, and wish your son uh, all the best. Uh, tell him to keep working hard. Oh, he will. No, I, I guarantee he will. Um, he's got a great teacher, so uh, just listen to your dad. He knows what he's talking about. I'm sure you know that. But, uh, I, and listen, man, I never listened to my dad and look where it got me. So you have a chance. Listen to your dad. He's a hell of a guy, and he knows his stuff. So, that's uh, guys, that's Dave Hunchak. Hunch, thanks again, man. Anytime. Well, guys, um, I want to say thanks again to Hunch. Uh, what a great guy. Um, I appreciate his honesty coming on here and, and sharing his knowledge, his wisdom, but most of all, his honesty. Um, we didn't get into great detail uh, about his story, but... Um, we went into enough detail um, that it gave me shivers and Hunch if you're listening to this which I'm sure you are I'm glad that you never found that gun and that we got to have this conversation and that we get to build a new friendship uh, build on our old friendship Um, uh, I'm looking forward to it I truly am. I'm really looking forward to it. So thank you again, man. I'm so glad you're doing well. I'm so glad I'm doing well. I'm so glad that we're going to be able to come together and help people. Um, and those people are going to be able to help us too. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, guys, that episode was, of course, proudly brought to you by Team Issue Limited. Team Issue Disconnecting All Walks of Life. Team Issue does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Guys, you can, of course, check them out. Teamissue.ca. Promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. Um, Teamissue.ca, guys. That's Jesse Paradise's company. Uh, Again, I'm head-to-toe Teamissue like every other day. Um, Not even every other day. Like every single day. I'm in love with the brand. Look for some... uh, um, custom hockey to heroin team issued stuff in the near future probably three four five months away but um, it is my plan to get some custom uh, h2h gear done team issued styles and it'll be available for purchase um, and all profits uh, will go to the puck support foundation um, guys uh, thank you so much for listening i hope you heard something that uh can either inspire you or hopefully lead you on a a journey of maybe your own recovery or your own mental health uh, recovery journey like I said or addiction journey guys Uh, if you're already on one of those journeys great job keep it going Uh, 
you know, even if I don't know your story personally, you're inspiring me um, by inspiring others. Uh, reach out, be kind, guys. Please, if you're struggling, reach out to somebody, if not to me, to somebody else. There's so much help out there if you look. Um, you might not always find the help you're looking for right away, but I swear to God, if you look, it's there. And if you can't find it, message me. I'll do my best, and if I'm not good enough, I'll put you in touch with one of my people. I will keep fighting to find you the best resources and the best form of recovery possible for you because that's what I'm trying to do for myself, and all I can do is share my experiences. I do not have all the answers, guys. I never will. But what I do have is a lot of life experience, and I care a lot. I have a lot of determination, a lot of persistence. And I, like I said, I got a big heart. I care a lot about everybody. I just want to see everybody succeed, everybody do well. You know, I'd just like to say too, and this, you guys take this for what it is, but I would like to say to myself, because I'm going to listen back to this hey, Brady Liebold, be proud of yourself. I'm proud of you. I felt good to say that. I've not been proud of myself for a long, long time. Maybe ever. Because I was never happy with myself. You know? Even in my best moments, winning Rookie of the Year for the Swift Current Broncos. You know? Miserable. All I wanted to do was go get drunk. I remember that night. That was all I was thinking. Just get out of here. Let's go drink. I remember me and my friend Tyson. Let's go drink. Let's go drink couldn't even enjoy it that's not the case anymore i enjoy my life i enjoy every second i'm gonna go crawl in bed with my beautiful girlfriend taylor cuddle put my hand on her belly of our unborn baby girl that will be born in october um before i do that i'm gonna stop by i'm gonna give lincoln and hadley a kiss good night they're sleeping i'm gonna say a prayer and thank god for everything that he's brought into my life for keeping me alive and giving me the strength to get through it I'm going to wa- ask him to watch over all my family, especially Brooklyn and Brody, my son out west that I've never met, um, and all my friends that I haven't seen, all my family members. I love you all. I'll, uh, I'll be praying for you guys like I do every day. So guys, uh, that's what I'm about to go do. I hope you guys all have such a great day. Whenever you're listening to this, make a decision right now. Shake it off. Sit up tall. Get your shoulders down and back. Get your head up. Put a smile on your face. Face the day. Face the day with a smile. Be kind. Be generous. And be you. And remember, have a great day. If you so choose.